Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. We are very glad to have you with us for this uh, next hour as we are going to open the Bible again, study the Word of God, and hopefully we'll be able to live wisely. That's our topic for uh, today, living wisely. I would love to say hello to our panel today, and it's good to have with us uh, today, Denise. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. As always, it's a pleasure to be here and be part of it. Hi, Will. It's good to have you with us again. Thank you, Nick. It's always a good experience to chat with the uh, with the panel on uh, items of uh, relative interest. Ligia, it's good to have you part of this program too. I feel very grateful. Praise the Lord for that. And hi, Jerry. It's good to have you with us today. Thank you so much. From the beginning, I always like to thank uh, those of you who are taking extra time to prepare for this Bible study. You are going to facilitate this discussion today. And uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. Looking forward to it. Well, uh, Jerry, just... um, not wasting too much time because we have quite interesting things to deal with today. Let's start there. Uh, would you be able to take us through? Sure. In this week's study, we will see how the Apostle Paul urges the believers in Ephesus to walk in love or to walk as children of light, as he describes it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. So what does he mean by this? In his epistle to the Philippians, Paul gives us some wise counsel since they too were in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Good advice also for the new believers in Ephesus, who themselves were once in spiritual darkness, and are at risk of slipping back into their former pattern of behavior. He continues the theme of imitating God as modeled by Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, he writes, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And isn't this the ultimate meaning of life? To gain a knowledge of God, to know his will, to come out of darkness and then to walk with him in that light? What practical changes are necessary as we transition from where we once were to where God wants us to be? The admonition given by Paul to the early Christians 2,000 years ago is just as profitable and applicable to Christians living in the 21st century. So let's have a closer look. But first we'll start with a word of prayer. Lydia, can you pray for us, please? Yes, sure. Holy Father in heaven, we're coming before you in this moment to thank you so much that you promise that you will be with us. Father, as we study today, living wisely, Father, please bless us with your Holy Spirit and guide us Lead us and direct us to understand this important subject of living wisely because it's the wisdom that comes from above. It's rooted in you. 
and you want us to be imitators of God, imitators of your character, filled with the, with your Holy Spirit. Please, Father, teach us and help us not to be deaf or blind to your message, but this message to have an impact in our lives and uh, start a new beginning to live as children of light, as you want us to be. Father, we trust that you listen our requests and prayer, and we thank you so much in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lydia. Now, Will, when it comes to how you want to lead your life, you can choose either to follow the pattern that is laid down by the world, where almost anything goes, or you can embrace the model that is presented in the Bible. Can you please read for us Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, and then uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and explain what it means to be imitators of God? Certainly. I was moved by Ledger's prayer, and her, her prayer really said it all, help us to live according to your will to be a light, and uh, thank you for that prayer, Ledger. Before I read this text, uh, Jerry, I was captivated by an experience of two identical twin boys whose lives took different paths. After years of caring for himself, one brother had developed into a fine exhibit of healthy, balanced manhood, while the other had wasted away after 18 years of drug and alcohol addiction. I couldn't imagine what might have gone on in the mind of the unfortunate twin as he sat contemplating the vibrant life of his other half, his twin brother. They stayed close, but there was no condemnation, lots of regret, just lots of thoughts perhaps of what might have been. Remember either of them, even both of them, could have made debilitating choices for their lives. I, I think as I read these texts, Jerry, I've, I want to ask if only we could catch a before and after glimpse of our own lives after committing to the Lord. And if by a special revelation from God we could watch a little video, as it were, of what we might become, it would thrill us to the core. And the words of the Apostle Paul hint on the wonderful possibilities of the Christian life and uh, make it plain that there is no limit, yes, no limit to the blessings that uh, the children of God may receive. Constantly increasing in a knowledge of God, we may go on from strength to strength, from height to height in the Christian experience until by his glorious power we are made partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I think that uh, leads us into the two texts that you've asked us to read. Ephesians 4 verse 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love 
as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Very timely counsel for the times in which we are living. Uh, um, Today uh, as a panel and as a listener, and I pray that God will lead us to understand what he requires of us as we proceed uh, studying from his word. Yes, thank you, Will. And it occurs to me as I was listening to you that um, imitating God, that process, we only have a limited window of opportunity to do that, don't we? And it has to occur whilst we are here. And in fact, if you are imitating God, then that is something that should be seen by others as well. Um, no man lives for himself. We all have a, an effect on another person, don't we? And if we are true Christians, then our Christian behavior should be noticed by the world. And I think that's, that's an essential part of being a Christian as well. That is your testimony, your witness. If you like, um, your, well, to pick up on the word sacrifice, it's, it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's something that you, uh, have to give up, as it were, because as you said, uh, there is almost no limit to the blessings that come your way if you choose to uh, follow the path that God wants you to to lead. It's it's all good. Yes, Nick, you wanted to say something. Yeah, it's just um, very important to remember that that we can't do anything on our own. You know, it's it's very important that we may try. You know. I know myself, I've been through some addictions and things like that, and I tried hard to give up those addictions. And I was still not able. Until I gave myself to God, allow God to work in me the change, the transformation. And when we are talking about living wisely, as we are going to dig a little bit into this today, sometime we can be proud of ourselves that we have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, wisdom or intelligence or whatever is, but actually the most important thing is to be connected with God, to know his word, to know his will. And then all those things will come in place. And if we struggle with some of those things we mentioned, and we'll, we are going to look into a little bit more, it's important that we trust that we can be victorious because Jesus is victorious. Yes, amen to that. Now, Denise, why is Paul so explicit in his warning to the new Christian converts as as recorded in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 to 7? Could you please read and comment on these verses? Sure, Jerry. I guess when we look at what Ephesus was like at the time, and like many pagan cities in the Mediterranean world of the first century, it was a centre of idolatry, which was often associated with temple prostitution. Society then was very permissive in sexual matters and sexual immorality was common and tolerated, in some cases even celebrated. And I guess these new Christian converts have come out of that culture and Paul is worried that they might slip back into it. So let's have a look at the verses in Ephesians 5, verses 3 to 7. And this is what it says. I'm reading from a paraphrase. Such things as illicit sex, lewd living and greed have absolutely no place in a Christian's life. 
These things are totally unbecoming to a people who are bound for heaven. Also, filthy language, flippant talk, coarse joking, and making fun of people should have no place in your lives. What you should talk about is how grateful you are for what God and others have done for you. You can be sure that no one who lives immorally, who is greedy, or who values anything as more important than God, can have a part in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Don't let anyone deceive you with untruths. It is because of their disobedience that these people will reap God's final displeasure with sin. Don't associate with those who keep on insisting that they have a right to do things. So we know that our culture is saturated with immorality, impurity, greed. Immorality is intimacy outside of marriage, the boundary that God has set. Impurity includes thoughts and words related to immorality, and greed has the idea of taking what is not yours and is closely connected to the first two, immorality and impurity. So these passages are very clear that As God's people, we need to separate ourselves from this lifestyle. And Paul was encouraging the the new Christian converts to separate themselves and to stay connected to Christ. The second list in verse three is related to the, it describes speech that harms people, words that refer to joking about immorality, making fun of people by using them as the butt of jokes. And that is not something that belongs among God's people either. In verse 5 to 6, God wants to be first in our lives and the fruits of the Spirit will follow. And those who are greedy, immoral, or who put other things as more important than God won't have a part of his kingdom. So these people and us, we're encouraged not to associate with those who partake in um, an immoral lifestyle that involves sexual immorality or crude talking. Uh, they have never known Christ, we, but we still need to find opportunities to introduce them to the light of Christ. Now, there was a particular uh, situation in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 11, where a member of the church was committing incest by sleeping with his brother. And Paul admonishes the church members not to associate with a brother or sister in the church who is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a swindler or a drunkard, not even to eat with them. And he uses the metaphor of the yeast in the bread and how the yeast, a little bit of yeast in the dough makes it rise. And we all know the saying, one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. So Paul's admonition to someone in the church who is doing uh, immoral things and boasting about it is not to have anything to do with them. Well, thank you, Denise. That was very well explained, and, and, and it just shows you what a, what um, a discipline it is for a Christian to live a moral life, isn't it? Because we are surrounded by the immorality everywhere you look. It's sort of in your face, so to speak, if I can use that expression. And you have to be so disciplined as a Christian. And um, yes, it can be very challenging. I guess too, it shows the corrupting influence of sin. Yes. And we we have to be as Christians. We have to be quite radical as well, don't we? In that sense, that we have to very purposely and deliberately uh, turn away from these things. Make a decision. No, I'm not going to go there. No, I don't want to see this. No, I don't want to hear this. Uh, it sort of reminds me of Joseph and and Potiphar's wife, where he, before he was confronted with the situation, he had already made up his mind 
that uh, he was going to be faithful to God. And I think as Christians, we also have to be faithful to God in the sense that we, we know what is expected of us. So that we're not taken by surprise when we're suddenly confronted with a, with a situation. Yes, Will. I think that what uh, Denise has said and was counsel from the Apostle Paul is very important that uh, we do not uh, associate so closely with uh, those greedy and swindlers and idolaters that it affects you. However, may I just say that in the light of of the acceptance of the prodigal son's father, after he had really lived up his life and made a lot of mistakes, he was uh, he was adopted back into the family in love. And I'd like to just um, balance it, if I may, Jerry, by saying that there should always be an accommodating heart, a loving heart in the Christian, as there is in God, to reach out to help those that are that are living wrongly. I think that we should always remember as Christians that we have a part with the Lord in helping to restore those that are wrong or that are living in sin. We're not going to speak from a high horse or pontificate here because we all struggle with transgression, don't we? Let's, uh, let's be balanced and let us, let us love and help those that we possibly can. Indeed. Now, Nick, uh, this letter to the believers in Ephesus was written uh, 2,000 years ago. In what ways are Paul's words about sexual behavior applicable to our own culture and the time that we are living in right now? Human sexuality like food and drink are gifts from God. And like every good gift, they can be easily corrupted and abused well jerry um i believe was uh, the word of god was valid inspired for that time for those people i think uh, it's the same today and we just need to look at ourselves look into the you know surroundings into our family church you know in society in general and uh, give the importance which we should to that counseling in um, in the word of god you know it was mentioned uh, by denise and then uh, will uh, came and yeah elaborate on that a bit the situation in corinthians you know where um, paul was very direct towards uh, that scene you know um, very direct and uh, He's repeating, actually, in uh, Ephesians, he's quoting from uh, 1 Corinthians. We cannot turn a blind eye to the things happening amongst us. Unfortunately, that's what happens because of the political correctness, because of the uh, fear of not offending somebody. We let things keep going. And what happens it's just distorting the whole thing about what God's will is with us. You asked that question, Jerry, how we can deal with these things in, in our time after about 2000 years since that counsel was given. I believe we need to be as Paul was very direct, very loving. And uh, if we study Paul's approach in various matters, 
will learn that, that Paul gives advice not to cast away or cast out, you know, definitely everybody, even though they may went through some serious sin. But what I believe it's important to deal with that. In these days, in our society, we don't do that as much. You know, in a church, if you have an issue like that, it should be dealt with that. Because otherwise, it's just creating a lots of problems. And it's a precedent, how you say that correctly. <laughs> I will say this in humbleness, that we should take the advice and we should be firm if we need to deal with that situation. Now, in our own case, Paul said, you were not only in darkness before, but your darkness, you know, everything what you did was just darkness, but you became the children of light. Now, how can you be the children of light and still do those things and then get away with? I mean, we just need to look into the media referring to some people in the church. I mean, we deal a lot with the sexual abuse, for example, in church. And that's in the media everywhere. We deal with all sorts of things. And people are still going to church just because, and I don't deny what Will was saying. We need to love those people. But those people need to be also brought to to be responsible for what they do. Where I came from, probably was a bit more conservative approach, you know. We are more used to to deal with those in, uh, situations and to apply discipline where it was needed. We don't do that as much to apply discipline. And why is that reason? We are afraid that we lose those people. Yes, we lose them if we don't love them. To to discipline somebody doesn't mean that you you gave them uh, uh, totally away. Even though Paul speaks some very strong words in regard to this case. And my dear friend listening today, if you like to learn a bit more about that, I will really encourage to visit those uh, places, you know, th- those in, in the Bible, in First Corinthians chapter 5 and in Ephesians chapter 5, and look upon that. I will invite you also now to be inspired that we have an amazing God full of grace, you know, probably this is the time to just put a little plug here, Jerry, if I can. Um, we have a wonderful uh, devotional still available for you, my dear friend listening. And that's God's amazing grace. Why not to request that one? Send us a text message with the code SABS1. The number is 0482 Three, you'll be very blessed to have this uh, devotional in your hands and learn more about the will of God and how to live wisely every day of our life. Thank you, Nick. Now, Will, you wanted to have a comment? Yes, um, Nick has said it well. We should never be soft on sin, but we should always love those that fall into transgression. You know, let's not downplay the, 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 the horribleness of what might happen. Uh, you know, Paul writes in the awareness of the devastating impact that adultery and other forms of sexual immorality could have on the churches uh, in Ephesus at the time. 
uh, damaging God's grand initiative of establishing a church as a light on a hill and showing love and unity in Christ. Instead, Jerry, panel and listener, instead, basic human nature destroys lives in the family circle, the church and the wider community. And unfortunately, sexual violence, as you have said, Nick, and abuse, and often fueled by pornography, are crushing realities that too often invade the current experience of the Christian believers. Bad choices, immoral thinking, leave a lot of wrecks along the along the way. And the counsel from the Bible is very relevant to our lives today. Need I say more? There are those things hidden in our own lives and in, our, and in the church that should be brought out to the light and helped by the Lord, uh, Jerry. Mm. Yes. Will referred to the overarching principle that comes from the way that Jesus treated people, and that is love the sinner and hate the sin. And sometimes we lump both into the same thing and we hate the sinner and we hate the sin. But that's not what Jesus admonishes because he accepts sinners. He wants to save sinners um, and he wants to change, transform their lives. Yes, indeed. You know, the tragedy as I see it too is that uh, every good gift from God can and is corrupted by Satan. I think sex is a gift from God. Food is a gift from God. Drink is a gift from God. But look at what happens. Satan has corrupted each one of them. And uh, as you, as you uh, mentioned, Will, uh, pornography has a, a, plays a huge part in uh, human behavior these days. So we go, to, we go from something that is pure, the gift of sex from God, to pornography. We go from... Uh, clean food, healthy food to, to gluttony, if you like. And drink, it's the same thing. We go from pure water and beautiful juices to uh, fermented wine and alcohol. And if you look at the effect that that has on, on people's behavior, it's just devastating. I mean, I often think that, um, that alcoholism is, is a, uh, a social curse. It's, it's one of the greatest evils under the sun. If you look at the devastation that is caused in families in every culture for centuries and centuries. So, yeah, we, um, we can be, we can be thankful, thankful for all God's gifts if they are used in accordance with his plan. Now, Lydia, if you go back and read Ephesians chapter five, verse six, um, for what other reason does Paul so strongly speak out against such ungodly behavior? Can you read that for us, please? And, and what is meant by the phrase empty words, and how will God ultimately have to deal with it? As I read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 and 6, it says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolite lighter has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things God wrath 
comes on those who are disobedient. Paul has identified those who practice various sins without shame or repentance, the sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, as it says in verse 5. He has offered a blunt assessment of those who are in Christ and destined to be participants in his future kingdom should not act like those who are not. So he now worries over the effect of empty words. To me, empty words, it means nothing. It means lies, effectively. So believers might be deceived by explicit language into thinking that sexual sin is not taboo or might even be drawn into such sins themselves. To be so deceived uh, warns Paul risks God's end time judgment, the wrath of God that comes upon those who are disobedient. And the phrase, the wrath of God, is a challenging one. That is the wrath of God, the wrath of anger of God, that suggests a contrast to the usual moody human variety. It is the just response of a long-suffering and righteous God against stubborn commitment to evil. It's not a crazed volcanic reaction to some minor infraction. Moreover, mentions of divine wrath most often occur in the context of inspired biblical warning about the coming judgments of God, which we can find a lot in Revelation. God warns of his own coming judgments as an act of grace, since human beings are by nature children of wrath, subject to those judgments. Yes, Nick? Just uh, want to add uh, what Lija was saying, you know, about empty words. Because I think this is very interesting because we can hear that every day, even from the pulpit in our churches. You know what? That we can have even empty prayers. What that means? That means that you are not saying those things with your heart, from your heart. I mean, in connection with God, you can be a very eloquent speaker saying very nice words, beautiful words and still be empty words. What I would like to uh, say here is that we need to check ourselves. If we are in that sort of relationship with God, that we can speak freely to him as to a friend, as we can have that dialogue, that conversation with God. And even when we do that in the church, we should have the same thing. We should not just fall into that habit of preparing to say nice things, even nice sermons and can be empty words, which don't transform the people. What we are looking for, transformation. What we are looking for today is to live wisely, not to just fill in some time, you know, an hour or two at the church and so on and so forth. I think this is very important to notice that. Why Apostle Paul was so devoted and so in fire, to say so, to deal with this situation, even if it was with sin or even when it was with with good things happening. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Nick. Will, you 
Jerry, Nick has put it well. There's much that could be said about empty words. And one interpretation of what the Paul means is this. The deception of saying things you don't mean, like uh, Nick has said, thinking one thing but saying another. And this also involves lies in the marriage relationship. Living a deceptive life in the church or the community, as well as in the marriage relationship. Saying the right things, but having a heart that is far from your words, even far from being inspired by God. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a scary thought, and Nick has just touched on it, and I say this as a pastor. I could even be a preacher and have no one know that deep down that I have less interest in transforming lives and really serving God than in caring for my own selfish interests, perhaps even caring deep enough for the vital connection which God with God of those for whom I've been called to serve. I can speak one thing and yet live otherwise. I think the Apostle Paul is hitting the hitting right to where it hurts here. Every one of us have uh, hidden things in our lives that we're really not comfortable with revealing in the open. And yet God says that one day those things that have been done in secret will be shouted from the hilltops. Mm, yeah, indeed. So how important is it to be honest with ourselves and to be genuine? And to uh, confront our own flaws. Yes. Uh, because we, as you say, Will, we, we can be very good at hiding them from others, but God sees everything and we can't fool God. So we have to be genuine and sincere about our Christian walk. And if we're going to be a Christian, then, then be so wholeheartedly and be honest with yourself. Yeah. Now, Denise, Paul continues the theme of imitating uh, God in chapter 5 verse 1 with a new metaphor in Ephesians 5 8 and here he appeals to them uh, to walk as children of light can you read Ephesians 5 uh, verses 8 to 10 and comment please sure Jerry so again I'm reading from a paraphrase so Ephesians 5 8 to 10 you once did some of these same things because you're in darkness so this is referring to the um, sexual immorality, also the um, language, filthy language, flippant talk, joking, making fun of people. You once did some of these same things because you were in darkness, but now you're different because you're in the light. So you need to live as children who belong to the light. It's interesting, this contrast between light and darkness. And light refers to Jesus and living with him in your life, and darkness refers to living without him. This light produces in people everything that is good, wholesome and true. Test your lives by these things and what pleases the Lord. So these people who were once in spiritual darkness following their own, if you like, lusts of the flesh, doing what they felt was um, good, and now they've been transformed by the Holy Spirit in their lives. So the goal of the of the believer in Jesus is dramatically different from those who don't believe in Jesus. It's not about pleasing ourselves and doing what we want, but it's about pleasing God. And to please him, we need to 
be born again every day. We need to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives each day and asking him to guide in our choices, to guide our behavior, because that's the only way that we can be transformed and be different. Mm. Now, some people might listen to that, what you just said now, and say, well, that sounds like um, a rather boring existence to be so straight-laced that you can't have any fun. Is that is that the case as a Christian? Can you not have any fun as a Christian? No, definitely not. Jesus promises an abundant life. He just doesn't promise an immoral life. <laughs> so, so you're saying you can have an abundant life here, and not, it's not just something that you focus on in in the distant future or wherever it is that uh, when you finally make it to heaven, that, that then all your, your your joys and happiness kicks in. You can have it here as well. Sure, mm. definitely. Yeah. Okay, Nick. It's interesting that you you ask that about um, fun. You know that word fun can be very misunderstood. Mm. You know, um, because in the society today, we think that fun is to do those things which God doesn't like. For example, uh, I I came from a you know show business background, and fun was to to say all sorts of things which were not nice. Fun was to go and get drunk and say, oh, what a great day we had. I watched sometime interviews on television and even asking some of the young people saying, oh, did you have some fun the, over this weekend and things like that? I said, oh, great fun. What did you do? Oh, we got drunk. We We had so much fun. Is that what God wants us to do? I mean, I look at myself and I I can say this. I came out of that sort of lifestyle and I live even more fully, you know, for God. And I enjoy more my life than in those days when I, for days I didn't know who I was or what I was doing, you know. I mean, to be able to enjoy every day for the beautiful things God created for us and God wants us to do for him. I think we need to reconsider that what fun means or to enjoy life. And then probably if we'll uh, look at into that and what the world does in terms of fun and relaxation and all those things and what God would like us to do, I think we'll, uh, we'll be very wise to choose what God is planning for us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Will, can you read for us uh, Ephesians 5, verses 11 to 14? Is Paul suggesting, among other things, that those who now walk as children of light are called to be light bearers and are therefore to some degree responsible for warning those who don't understand the dire consequences of living an immoral lifestyle? Certainly. Ephesians 5, verse 11 to 14, he says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when the light exposes anything, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Basically what he's saying here is similar to what Jesus said, In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp 
and put it under a basket. Rather on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, Jerry, there was always a rush of emotion and a few speedy silent prayers during the singing of one simple little chorus in our uh, little family worship time. Our little son and daughter would enthusiastically sing that famous chorus, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And just looking at my wife, I realized that both my wife and I were earnestly and silently asking the Lord to make that true in their lives. Wouldn't we wish that everyone in our families, our churches, our society could be light bearers of hope and examples of what God can do with the regenerated lives of those that committed, could those committed to him? I just, um, it pulls at my heartstrings, this, uh, Jerry. Jesus wants us to live uh, as lights of hope for other people. Yes, yes. I understand exactly what you're saying. I think every parent who's raised their children, especially in the fear and admonition of the Lord and sees their children go their own way, you hope and pray and you continue to hope and pray that by God's grace they will come back and turn their eyes upon Jesus again and that uh, they may recognize his love for them. Uh, that's, that's, that's what we hope for as, as parents, don't we? Now, panel, I have a, a question for anybody who wants to chip in. It says um, in chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, from the New King James Bible, that says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What does he actually mean by walking circumspectly? That's not a word that is used too frequently these days, is it? And, and what about redeeming the time? Would anybody like to comment there? Sure. Can I read from the paraphrase what it says? So it says in verse 15, so be careful how you live using the wisdom that God has given you. Take advantage of every opportunity to do good because there is so much evil these days. Don't be foolish, but try to understand what God has in mind for you and do it. Don't Mm. drink wine because it's too easy to get drunk. If you want excitement, let your spirit get excited about what God has done and is doing. Yeah, I like that. I like that paraphrase for sure. Circumspectly, again, that's, um, give us a few synonyms if you can. How would you paraphrase that differently? Wisdom? Yeah. Living in light, walking in light. Yeah. Being sober. Being sober, being, being on, on your guard, being attentive. Uh, cautious, prudent, all these words. Jerry, may I comment on the best use of time? Um, this is what he's appealing to us. 
We are not all given the same number of talents or gifts or strength or riches or even looks. We differ widely, but one thing we have on an equal footing, whoever we are, and that is time. Um, I read a comment once in a little book called My Life Today, which I'd like to share. It says, our time belongs to God. Every moment is his, and we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to his glory. Of no talent he has given will he require a more strict account than of our time. The value of time is beyond computation. Christ regarded every moment as precious, and it is thus that we should regard it. Life is too short to be trifled away. We have a few days of probation in which to prepare for eternity. I think it's very relevant um, that we use our time wisely. Amen to that. Yes, Nick? Just uh, redeeming the time. I think that's a very important thing, and we may not realize that. We live in these days with a full agenda for what we need. You know, we make plans, we um, try to tick all those boxes, you know, we still look into our bucket list and uh, uh, all those things. Is that understanding that we need to redeem the time? Or is how I put myself right with God in these special times we live in, the times of the end? We know people are talking, even those people who don't know God. They said something is going to happen. There's not much left here. Are we wise enough? Are we living in wisdom to um, apply that, to redeem the time? Or are we are still caught into those opportunities which we may have to make it better for ourselves, mm. to enjoy this life on this earth? This is a big question. Mm. I mean, like again here to... Uh, put a plug um, before we are going to finish, uh, Jerry. We have that wonderful uh, devotion, God's amazing grace. How wonderful it will be to know more about that. My dear friend listening today, please send us a text message with the code SABS1. And you can have this uh, devotional for you to enjoy. The number again, it's 0482. Zero nine, triple eight, three. I'm just thinking also, Pamela, uh, of the expression, you know, nobody knows when their time is up. So it's really, really important, isn't it, to make the best use, as you say, Will, of every opportunity you have, the time that is given to you. Uh, yeah, live very purposefully, very deliberately. All right. Now, Lydia... I've got a final question for you. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20, Paul speaks about two types of, if you like, infilling and the vastly different effects of each. Could you read those for us and comment, please? Yes, Jerry. As I read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul urges believers here to turn away from the mind-numbing use of wine. Uh, we know that using wine, <laughs> alcohol makes uh, mocks and fights uh, with those who abuse it in any sense and uh, leads one to be a mocker and a brawler. And uh, Paul invites here people to instead experience together the presence and power of the Spirit. Um, if I read in Proverbs uh, chapter 20, verse 1 to 11, it says, so first uh, chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. So I don't need to comment on this because we know what disturbance and quarrel and fights the alcohol is doing. And if I read in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29 to 35, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the raging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? So Solomon describes here the state of a drunkard. Drinking too much excessively leads to drunkenness, which is effectively a sin. The drunk drunkard foolishly chooses to this, the dysfunction, the misery, the pain and trouble that it describes. It's described here. It might be a lot of fun to drink. Some people are saying but makes your eyes red, makes you see strange things, stagger back and forth, and it is pointless addiction that leaves you wanting more. So Solomon warns that over-drinking alcohol can leave you poor also. But Paul applies here and tries to give attention to the to the people of God that the evil things that uh, come in the wake of drunkenness include crude, sexually explicit speech, mindlessness, immorality, idolatry. These are to be exchanged for thoughtful, spirit-inspired worship of God. To be filled with the Spirit 
which is a key that is modified by series of of verbs in Ephesians 5, speaking, singing, and making melody, giving thanks, and submitting ourselves to God. So Paul is nourishing unity. We, as we live in our families and in groups of uh, of people and in churches, uh, we have to be offered unto God as people that are living, people of light, which are living in light. Thank you, Lydia, for explaining that. As you say, it's it's um, so much better to be filled with the Holy Spirit than to be filled with alcohol. You see the uh, the great social evil that is alcoholism and what it's the havoc that it has wreaked over the centuries. I'd like to close with the following comment. Dear listeners, today we've focused on the admonition or advice that the Apostle Paul gave to the believers in Ephesus on how to live wisely and in so doing bring glory to God. The letter could just as well have been addressed to us who live in the 21st century. We too live in a time where it seems that vice rather than virtue is promoted. Think of the television shows produced for our entertainment that normalize immoral behavior. Think of the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, welcomed and promoted by governments around the world as an event that not only generates a financial windfall, but is considered a must-see spectacle that parents can take their children to. In Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So let's choose wisely to live and conduct ourselves in a way that brings glory to God. Nick, would you like to close with a prayer, please? Sure, Jerry. And I'd love to just remind uh, our listeners again that uh, we have that wonderful offer, uh, uh, God's Amazing Grace, with the code SABS1. And my dear friend, please uh, request that one. Uh, send us a text message to the number 0482093883. Let's pray and thank God for his uh, wisdom and advice to each one of us. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for bringing to our attention again the reality of life, the things which we may not even realize that we are part of and uh, even guilty of um, of omission. We talk today how to live wisely. And also, Lord, we look into a lots of sensitive aspects of our daily life in family, in the church, in society. Lord, I pray that if we are coming across with those temptations like sexual immorality, like drunkenness, like all other things, Lord, I pray that you will bring to our attention through the Holy Spirit and you'll help us, Lord, to come to you and to ask you for uh, help and for victory. I pray, dear Father in heaven, that if there is somebody listening today struggling with some of these things, that you'll visit. You'll visit, Lord, that person and you'll give victory, Lord. Hear our prayers, Lord. Hear our humble prayer because we pray in the name of Jesus Christ and through his merits. 
Amen. Well, my dear friends, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, yes, uh, panel, uh, it's very good to have you with us and all your thoughts and sharing. May God bless you, bless us all. And uh, my dear friend, please join us again next time because we are going to look into another beautiful uh, topic, beautiful uh, subject, uh, uh, husbands and wives together at the cross. What a wonderful subject that will be and very valid for the times we live in. Until then, may God richly bless you and have a wonderful, safe walk in the footsteps of Jesus.